got a tattoo. <laughs> Did you know that when you say kia ora, you're not just saying hi, you're actually saying be well. So kia means to be, and order means well, well in the whole sense of the word, mind, body and spirit. Um, so that's why I say it a lot now, because I get to, when I greet people, say be well. Um, really, what I want to talk to you about a bit today, building on the beautiful stories told, Kirk told last week, is a bit about how he makes us well, how he makes us whole, how he makes us into the amazing people that he's made us to be and into a body that fully reflects him on the earth and into the heavenlies. Uh, I'm going to join with Kirk in sharing some stories that make that really real so you can see what that's looked like in my life and the nitty-gritty day-to-day of how it is um, that as I walk with him, he talks to me and sometimes we have pretty uncomfortable conversations. Um, But I can say to you with confidence that I would never ever want to wish one of those conversations away because every one of them does bring life. Um, And if you take... One thing away from this, um, what it is, is that when his word comes, it's the same word that said, let there be light, and there was. It's the same word that raised Jesus from the grave. It's the same word that created us, and it comes with all of the power to do what it says it's going to do. If it asks a question, it has the power to unravel the question that is asking in our lives. He didn't say, let there be light, and then there was a long and involved process where someone had to figure out how there was light. He said, let there be light, and there was. And it might not always be that quick in our lives, but what I can say is that he doesn't ask a question that he doesn't have the answer to. And he doesn't ask a question um, casually. So when I tell you about some of these questions he's asked me, every single word was intentional. There weren't any extra words and there weren't any um, missing words. Um, So what I think he wants to say to us today is this song about here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. He is waiting. He does have good plans for all of us. What's been spoken about here is possible for all of us. But he's waiting for us to say, what is it you want to speak to me about? What is it in my heart that you want to speak to me about? Um, And what I hope today does, and I I know that what Kirk spoke last week has started this process from what I've heard around the place, is to strip away any any fear about what he might say and to give you confidence that he is a good father and... uh, He wants the best for you. So, I'm going to start with a scripture actually. So Hebrews 4, 12 to 13. Sorry guys, I'm mucking around with my scriptures a bit, but if we could get that up, awesome. Um, So this, I've I've known the scripture for a long time, but it's become really real to me and what's been going on over probably this year. It's about the word of God and what it's capable of. So the word of God is alive and active, 
Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It even judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to, must, to whom we must give account. So that's, the, that's one of the scriptures that says, when he says something, there is all the power that's required to do what he says. Verse 13 is interesting. It's the one that says nothing's hidden from his sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now that scripture can make us feel insecure, right? That can make us feel like, hmm, we're going to have to give an account to him and he knows who we are and mm, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But actually, it should inspire comfort in us. Because it is true that one day time's going to run out and we're going to have to give an account to him. But it's also true that he sees everything. He knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly where our heart's at. So he is capable in the time we have of doing all of the work he needs to do for that to be a great account. Um, just, I don't know, just so many scriptures that we can read as it all God, that's a bit scary, which are meant to be actually he's our author, he's our perfecter, he sees and he knows and we just need to walk with him. So, let me tell you a story. One thing to notice about all of these stories, actually, is none of these questions came in my prayer time, in a classical sense. Um, Some of them came when I wasn't even having particularly great prayer times. And the key here, I think, is that he's talking all the time. We just need to be tuned in. So... um, Really early this year when we were coming back from holiday, driving down the North Island, having a lovely time. And the Lord, this question went through my head. He said to me, if I asked you to give your house to a certain family in this community and walk away with nothing, what would you say? And it was like time stopped. Like I, I knew the answer was no. I knew that my answer to that question was no, I wouldn't be prepared to do that. And I knew that if I wanted to, not, not talking about salvation or him loving me or being his daughter, but if I wanted to continue growing in him, the answer to that question had to become yes. <laughs> so on this car trip, it was horrible, honestly. I reckon if you'd been monitoring my vital signs, my heart rate would have been up. I was hot and I was cold and Nick and the kids were just having a nice trip home and I was in, in a turmoil. <laughs> and it was because of that inner turmoil that I knew it was him I was like, if that was just a random thought, I would have just moved on to another random thought, but I didn't. (laughs) And so then I was like, why would you ask that of me? I'm not materialistic. Like, money and possessions aren't a thing for me. And he's like, okay, but question remains. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) so then it's funny how you bargain with God, isn't it? Then I was like, well, those people, like, we've got this house because we worked hard and we made these wise decisions and da-da-da. And he's like, well, so you're saying that some good things you have come from you and that every good thing you have doesn't come from me. And I was like, this is <laughs> getting quite annoying now. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, And then, so I got to the point where I was like, okay, I can choose to just, you know, not worry about this, but I knew deep in my heart that this was more than a question about a house. This was a serious question that had serious consequences. So um, I was like, okay, we need to make this a yes, and I can't do that, but let's, let's keep talking. 
And that's when he took me to the story that we started to teach here not long after, actually, about the rich young man, which, if you don't know, is in three of the four Gospels, so probably reasonably important. And I'm just going to um, read to you from the Luke version. So that's in Luke 18 from verse 17. So the story here is young man comes to Jesus and says to him, good teacher, what do I need to, need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. It was beautiful. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And this is the verse he stopped me on. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. But the Holy Spirit asked me another question. He said, I wonder what would have happened if instead of walking away sad, that young man had remained in the conversation with Jesus. And that word remain, remain, remain. Like the word Kirk talked about last week, abide, stay, stay. And I knew, I just felt this, um, it's almost like a, an explosion of truth in my spirit. I was like, that's the key here. I just need to stay in this conversation. I cannot see how this no is going to become a yes, but that's the key. And then, it's interesting, that scripture that we often quote about, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, actually features in this scripture. So if you think about it, so the disciples basically say, after the guy goes away, Jesus says, yeah, it's really hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then the disciples say, well, it's a bit tricky, isn't it? How's this going to happen? And Jesus then says, with man this is impossible, but with God, but not with God. With God all things are possible. So that's the other key, right? He's like, those two ideas were linked And so this is how he went about doing what looked impossible in this situation. Um, So the next thing he said to me, (laughs) he said to me, so you need to walk this out in the light, Joe. You need to talk to Nick about this. (laughs) And I really didn't want to talk to Nick about it. And the reason I really didn't want to talk to Nick about it is because there's been several other times in the last few years where there's been a decision to be made and the Lord said to Nick, it's going to go to the left. I want you to go to the left. And I've been like, no, we're going to the right. <laughs> and the Lord has said to me, you need to wait and pray. Don't say anything to her yet until she's ready. Which is pretty awesome that he had the self-control to do that. And I was genuinely like, oh my goodness, it's another one of those. I'm going to say this. <laughs> and he's going to go, praise the Lord. <laughs> the Lord talked to me about that ages ago. We're off. Um, but he didn't in this case. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. He may still. <laughs> he may still test that. Yes. Um, but when we did talk about it, um, we prayed together. It wasn't like anything shifted, obviously, but there was some release in knowing that it was in the light and it helped to stop my own interesting thinking get tangled around it. Came here the next morning and all of the prayer was about coming before the throne of grace with confidence and perfect love casts out all fear and Um, stuff that um, I needed to hear, right? Because I was hanging in there, remaining with him, but it wasn't easy. It would have still been pretty easy to back away. 
the other beautiful thing is that my mum was here that weekend. Um, so got to share and walk it out with her too, which was pretty special in terms of getting her wisdom on the situation. And what happened, by the end of, so question was asked Saturday afternoon, by Sunday afternoon, the root had come to light. It wasn't actually in me about possessions and stuff. It was about stability. Um, and actually, that, I'll just go back a bit. That's why the question matters, because as I tried to wriggle out of this, so I was like, so what we could do, we could... Um, get the equity out of our house and we could give that to these people and then they could have a house and we could have a house. And the Lord was like, I didn't ask you that question. <laughs> and I was like, wow, they could live in our house and we could still keep it, but they could live in their room free. And, and the Lord was like, I didn't ask you that question. And when you see what the root is, you can see why. Because it wasn't about the house at all. Um, and I was just thinking yesterday, I'm like, man, if we're not careful, I could have run off in a different direction, and this is why walking in the light's important, done a thing that actually looked quite religiously good, <laughs> and completely missed the point. So I'd still be entangled, there'd be some, what do we call it, hay stubble and stuff to burn up at the judgment seat, because he's like, well, that was nice, but I didn't ask you to. Um, and he'd have to ask me another question on this thing. Um, and it was within 24 hours to go from I feel in my body sick about this question, to a place where the root comes to light, you go, that's a bit silly, really, isn't it? And you have a yes. Not an easy yes. I'm not saying that would be easy, but I'm saying when I think about it, I know that we could do that. And the key was just staying in the conversation that he wanted to have. So um, let's go back to Hebrews 4, because there's a little bit of a pattern in there. Um, for this kind of thing. So what really struck me about this, so Hebrews 4 is often in the Bible called a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And the, um, I don't understand the depths of this, um, but the bits I want to point out is that what the writer is doing is it's cautioning the people of God to not miss out on the promises of God because of their unbelief. And it's interesting that about two-thirds of the way through that verse, that chapter, is this verse we've been talking about, about the word of God being living and active. Three times before we get to that, there's a quote from a psalm of David that says, if today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And that's in the context of saying actually that our unbelief can keep us out of the things that God has for us. Um... And what it, what's amazing to me there is that he says that, so there's this warning, there's this warning three times, if today you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Then there's this encouragement that we looked at in verses 12 and 13 about the purpose of the word of God. So when we hear his voice, it comes with power. It comes to separate soul and spirit. He sees everything. And then after that, if we look at verses 14 to 16... Can we grab those up there? Fourteen up there. Oh yeah. No, next bit. Do I need to go? Yeah, there we go. That great. Bigger writing than my Bible. Therefore, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of, time of need. So see the sequence? If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Let him talk to you. The purpose of his word is to do this work. Come confidently before him, knowing that he understands he's been through this stuff. Um, and that our mercy and our help comes from him. Beautiful, eh? Um, if you wanted another um, picture of the same, if you go to Revelation 3 from verse 14. Again, this is one of these scriptures that can inspire fear and mm, um, in us because it's where he's revealing to the people some stuff that's not as you'd like to see it. But you've got to read the end and you won't feel that way anymore. So he says to these people, um, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of them. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. Does he love us? So we should expect to be rebuked and disciplined. It's a sign that he loves us. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Same, Different words, same picture, right? I want to talk to you about something that's not as I want it to be. I want to do that because I want good things for you. I'm calling. You just need to let me in. Beautiful, eh? Why it's so important that we, that we see that he has good things for us because that's the thing. If you read it through that lens, you go, he's just calling out. He's just asking me to let him in. He's, he wants to point out some stuff for sure, but the point of coming in is so he can deal with that because he's the one who can. Here's another story. Um, this one started happening when I was driving in the car one day. Again, actually. Um, and one of the interesting things about this is that when he started to speak it over me, I thought I knew it. Um, so it was a different kind of turning aside. It wasn't a, I don't want to hear, it's I think I know. Um, so he started to say to me, driving in the car, walking along the street, wherever I was, he started to say, I'm proud of my daughter. And I'd be like, awesome, thanks. I know, that's cool, thanks for saying that. Because <laughs> um, I did know I was his daughter. Like partly how I knew that is because I knew his discipline. I knew how much he changed me. I knew, I was like, someone who didn't love you wouldn't bother, right, with all the stuff he puts up with, wouldn't bother having all these hard conversations. I knew he loved me. I knew I was his daughter. I'm proud of my daughter. Hmm. I was like, I think. And one day I was like, Lord, you're trying to say something, aren't you? There's something I don't believe about this. And so literally it was a process of just um, actively softening my heart and going, just, just do what you need to do here. I don't understand, I think I know this. And he just kept speaking it and speaking it and nothing much happened. I didn't try and do anything about it. And then I was sitting here one Sunday morning 
And I heard in my inner voice say, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I was like, I, um, I had this familiar sensation that I'd never associated with the voice where I just felt myself um, internally curl up and want to kind of back off. And I started to cry. I was like, this, this truth being spoken has exposed something that I didn't even know was speaking into my life. Um, but from the response, I know that's a re- familiar response. I know that sometimes I do feel that way. Um, and it turns out, I haven't done a whole lot of analysis of it, but in the times I was growing up, it was relatively common at school and parenting, if a child's behaviour didn't meet the mark, to say, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, and what that had done in the deepest depths of my heart is created an entanglement between my identity as I saw it and my behaviour. So that when my um, behaviour didn't meet up, I would feel bad. <laughs> but in him, my identity has nothing to do with my behaviour. Over time, as he changes me, I will behave more consistently with a daughter of his, but my identity doesn't change because that was sealed in him when I chose him. Um, And it's just interesting, again, no kind of bolt of fire from heaven, but just um, what happened that day, I know, is that he severed that entanglement between my behaviour and who I am. So I don't feel bad about myself (laughs) when I don't behave as he might like or better about myself when I do anymore Um, and what that's empowered is actually him to call me up more ironic how everything's so upside down in him right Um, because um, now he will often when I'm kind of in a you know about to make a decision that he might want me to make a different one I hear him say my daughters don't behave like that. And what I hear is not, that's bad behaviour, or you're a bad person. I just, my spirit just lifts. I'm like, yeah. And I choose differently, more often than not, because of that. How cool is that? The other um, way it is empowered more calling up is that because I don't feel bad about my behaviour, I can more easily apologise. And I can more easily apologise even when the other person was really wrong too and I can apologise unreservedly and move on because I also know that his daughters don't behave like that. So I don't need to feel bad, but I do know that I'm his daughter. Um. Yeah, I guess the other thing I'd say out of that is that um, I have seen that story and other stories like it from my life set other people free. 
the power of the work in us when it's declared as the power that we talked about before. Um, so don't, even if you don't want this for yourself, we are one, right? <laughs> and so actually my growth is your growth and your growth is my growth. And I'm seeing this everywhere in this place, in discipleship environments where someone is sharing of what the Lord's done in their life, the real and true proven work, and that word speaks in the heart of someone else and starts off a, a process like this in their life. So there's power in sharing the true work he's done. And I've just got one more example for you, and this is a now example, just, to, just in case you were worried that <laughs> this wasn't still going on for me. Um, and I think the... The particular highlight from this example is um, the role of discipleship and accountability when he's talking to us about things. Um, so that middle example actually was mainly me and God, probably exclusively pretty much, in terms of the working out of. Um, the other two both, there's a really significant role for God's people. After Steve McCracken came, so those of you who were here or who heard Kirk last week, we'll know that Steve's question to all of us was how is your obedience when God asked you to do something you don't want to do? Um, and it was one of those words that I didn't, you know, sometimes when you hear a word like that, you know there's a thing that he's talking to you about and that he wants to address. And you're like, oh, okay, that's the thing. I didn't have that at all. Um, but pretty soon afterwards, he started talking to me about prayer. And what he said to me is, um, I've been talking to you for a long time about prayer and about a particular kind of prayer and stuff to do with prayer. Um, and um, I've been sharing with you things of my heart that I've been asking you to take in prayer. What have you been doing with those? <laughs> and the truth is I'd get this download from him and it would be all quite awesome and there'd be these feelings associated with it and I'd pray about it for a bit and then it would kind of fall by the wayside. Um, and the truth is that um, it's not something I would, this is the thing about letting him define us, right? If I was to choose the works he'd prepared in advance for me, they probably wouldn't include these ones. <laughs> I don't know why. I bet you on the other side of this process, I'll say that was a silly thing to think, but at the moment, it's just not natural to me in my natural self. Um, however, it got to my heart a bit when he's like, I'm sharing these things with you, and they're important to me, and what are you doing with them? But if I'm honest, it still didn't get to me enough for there to be any real action. Um, then at the end of Steve's message, actually, Paul stood up and said, um, this is the kind of word that needs to be accompanied with accountability, and I went, actually, yeah. Uh, that's the thing, I need some accountability around this. I actually need to um, respond out of fear of the Lord, if I'm honest. So I'm going to have to give an account to him for this thing he's asking of me. Um, I don't want to do it, but that doesn't really matter. So I need to respond out of fear of the Lord and trust that over time, as this thing unravels itself, um, my response will be one of joy. Um, so it's really beautiful. I've just shared it with my discipleship group and now the whole church. <laughs> so, <laughs> nobody say that I'm not having accountability around this. 
Um, and it literally has been as simple as going, actually, it's not that I don't pray, but this kind of prayer, 10 minutes every day before I go to bed, I'm going to do. And then I'm going to expect people to pray for me, ask me about it, and we'll see where it goes from there. And I am excited, even though, you know, it's funny how in God you can be like totally not into it and at the same time quite excited because you are like, there will be good things on the other side of this. There will be growth. And actually, you know, I suspect that, like if I were to do a diagnosis of my life against Christ's, the things I would say, here's the biggest lack, here's the biggest gap, um, the road through to that will be through the things he asked me to do, not through my diagnosis and trying to work on things. So um, like in all these other examples, the, the thing he dealt with I didn't even know was there and then that's dealt with things that I didn't know were there. So um, that's all I had to say. I just, I hope you hear from this that he's calling and I hope you hear from this that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And when he speaks, that word that he speaks is the word that will do the work. Just need to let it in. Thanks, everyone.